0: Hello, you're listening to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life with a twist. We're your hosts, Christina
1: and Will. We aren't financial experts. We're just like you, aka trying not to stumble our way to financial success.
0: That's where our money smart friends come into the equation. You see what I did there, Will?
1: Yes. I guess we need to add a bad pun disclaimer to our show description.
0: Well, as long as we add a reality TV spoiler disclaimer as well.
1: I'm there for that. You'll want to stay tuned for fun guest interviews,
0: discussions around money taboos,
1: and apparently corny jokes and Real Housewives references. Mm-hmm.
0: That is so perfectly us. So, together, let's make, make it count. count. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Making It Count.
1: Happy New Year, Christina, and to all of our listeners.
0: Happy New Year's, Will. I haven't seen you since 2021. Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) I know. It's been a while.
0: (laughs) We have an amazing episode today and very timely, of course, as producer Lauren always makes us. We are talking about financial New Year's resolutions.
1: That's right. And it's time to talk about how much we're going to save and how much we're not going to spend in 2022.
0: Not going to spend, Will, like Target or (laughs) face cream, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, that's essential. (laughs)
0: So. <laughs> we have two terrific guests today as well. But before we introduce them, Will, what is your financial resolution for this year?
1: So, I am not a big New Year's resolution person. I don't know. I find it to be a little bit odd to think that, like, just because the calendar switched over to a new year, that that's the time that you change. Like, I don't know. I get a little weirded out by it. I typically. I feel like, I feel you like do know that's things. what this
0: episode is about, Will, right?
1: <laughs> no, I know, obviously. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, I think people can change at any time and you can make resolutions at any point during the year. But I will say for me this year, I want to try and spend my money more thoughtfully or more intentionally, maybe is the word, um, and really think more about what I'm investing in and what I'm putting my resources
0: into. So, how do you think that's going to change like in your spending habits? Like how do you foresee that?
1: Oh, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I <have> no idea.
0: <laughs> so, less Starbucks? Maybe? Maybe be like, do yeah, I really No,
1: exactly. Like it's not even like Starbucks, just like knowing if I buy this, what am I sacrificing? Or if I maybe save a little more, what can I do instead of getting you know, another bottle of face cream that I don't need or something.
0: Um, we need it. Well, I mean, I don't know. You're much younger than me. I need it. That is essential. Like you said earlier, I need the face cream, but maybe not like the toner. Like I don't need a toner. At least that's what YouTube tells me that I don't need a toner, but you know, well, it's they not say that now there.
1: and then a month from now, they'll be like, no, you have to have it.
0: Exactly. Or that my, my cell water or whatever. Like, I don't know, whatever. Oh, I
1: think that's complete. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> So, Christina, what's your New Year's resolution financially? So
0: my New Year's resolution this year is because, you know, I already do my 13th mortgage payment and and I already put an extra 1% every year into my retirement. So that's automatically set. That's set it and forget it. So I've got those past New Year's resolutions. Check, check and check and check. For me, it'll be setting a set it and forget it amount of money to go into like a vacation savings account, because we want to take our parents to Costa Rica for the first time they've never been. So I really want to like show them a good time in like a country my husband and I love so much. And our kids, they've never been so saving for Costa Rica, baby.
1: I love that. I love that you're actually, like, saving for something fun, too, because I feel like yours are normally so practical, like, the 13th mortgage payment and <laughs> the 401k thing. Like, I like that you're doing something based around an experience. And that's what I'm talking about is, like, intentionally spending on something that has, like, value to your life, not just, like, stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: Aw, thanks, Will. You, mm-hmm. you were actually nice to me. I know. Thanks. I was
1: actually,
0: <laughs> for once in my life... <laughs> Well, now that we know what our new year's resolutions are, let's meet our guests. So first we have David Maurice Sharp. Welcome to the show. And then please introduce yourself.
2: Great, thanks for having me, both of you. Yes, my name is David Maurice Sharp. I was a modern dancer for many years here in New York. Not surprising, probably, to all of you. Modern dancers are not, in fact, some of the most highly compensated workers (laughs) um, in the United States, so I was always kind of looking at finding other ways to sort of fill in the financial gaps. I was really fortunate to get a very flexible part-time job on Wall Street, of all places, which helped sort of stabilize my finances, but it also um, allowed me to learn about investing both in the stock market and in the bond markets. So now, since I've retired from performing, I teach financial literacy workshops, primarily geared towards artists and other freelancers, so that they can find ways to use their investments and their savings to help support their career.
0: That is so cool, yeah, David. I'm a former tap dancer.
2: Awesome. <laughs> I
0: love that we share that. I love it.
2: Yeah. It- it was a great career, but as you know, the financially not the most stable. So. <laughs> no,
1: well, Christina's all. been saying for years that she used to do tap dance, and I've never seen it personally, so <laughs> I don't believe it until I see it.
0: One Sounds like day. there's a
1: challenge there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One day on our TikTok account, maybe you'll see me do a couple of buffaloes or flat ball changes. You know, I just... would love
1: that. I mean, I wouldn't even have to be in that video, so that would be even better. <laughs>
3: Well, thanks, David. Well,
1: welcome, David. We're very happy to have you. And we also want to welcome our second guest, Chelsea Connor. Chelsea, please introduce yourself.
3: Hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here. I'm one of the lending specialists here at Edition Financial in our sales and member experience department. I have been in the financial industry for about six years now. Looking forward to continuing that. I do a lot of financial advising. I've also been on the side of MSR and doing personal bankers. So a little bit of both.
0: That is great. We're so happy to have you. Will, we have two first time guests today. Boo boo boo. boo
1: I know, very exciting.
0: We really need like, you know, like those zany radio hosts to have like sound effects. Oh, gosh. No, I'm all about. We don't, no. we don't
1: need to be shock jockeys. It's
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we get started, I have to know, David. I'm going to start with you. What is your New Year's financial resolution?
2: I guess I'm kind of boring because I usually have the same kind of type of financial New Year's resolution every year. It's that I really take the beginning of the year as an opportunity to really have a, a good look at my financial well-being plan and to decide at least one thing that I can do that's going to strengthen it or move it in a better direction. When I talk to my students, I like to describe building your financial wellness plan as creating a mosaic where you're putting different tiles into place. So I usually take my New Year's resolution to be figuring out, okay, what's the next tile that would be smart for me to put into my financial mosaic to keep moving me forward towards my goals?
0: I love that your advice is even like, Artistic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Chelsea, what about you? Financial New Year's resolutions.
3: Will he, he hit the nail on the head. I am going to stop going to Starbucks every oh. day. <laughs> I have to admit it's almost an unhealthy habit. I am there multiple times a week. I order through the app. I do my pickup. It's bad.
0: Oh, if I know you. Yeah.
3: You're like, oh it's Chelsea. Hey Chelsea. Oh, yeah. I do the full like reload my gift card so I can get the points. I do the full thing. Yeah, I'm I'm that extra. My hand in hand resolution with that, because we all know every time you go to Starbucks, you you're at Target, you know, you're yes. there, they're hand in hand. So More it's a like trap. If you're at Target, that has a Starbucks, right? Right. They're, they're like always next to each yes. other. And then before I know it, I'm in the dollar bin buying another kitchen towel. Which is never that, a dollar, by the I, way, I, I, that no. dollar spot, never a dollar. It was actually six. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I, you know, let me just get this, uh, Valentine's day themed hand towels for my kitchen. And then I've added 20 more things to my cart. So I'm gonna stop doing that. And I'm gonna stop going to Target just for nothing. I seem to do that as like a joy ride kind of thing. I'm like, let me just cruise through, see what they've got to offer. Intentional spending, as like Will that. said.
0: All right, well, Will and Chelsea, I'm gonna hold you to it. A month from now, I'm gonna tap you and be like, hey, how's that going? And you're gonna tell me it's going awesome. You only bought five items at Target. That <laughs>
3: You'll catch me with the Starbucks in hand when you
0: ask me. (laughs) All right. Well, we're so excited to jump right in, and Will Lauren has you asking the first question.
1: I'm very excited. I I see favorite Lauren
0: favoritism.
1: (laughs) It is. It clearly is. (laughs) So let's start with a big picture question. And obviously, everyone just heard me say I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. But David, is it a good idea to make financial New Year's resolutions? And the simple answer is yes, absolutely. Often
2: when it comes to our finances, people like, you know, kind of try to shut their eyes and say, oh, maybe someday in the future it'll take care of itself and I don't have to do anything. And it never does. So it's important to address it, even if it's a bit uncomfortable for you. The important thing, particularly when when you're working with finances and making resolutions with regard to your finances is to make sure that you stay realistic. So for example, if you wanna say, I wanna start saving money, you don't wanna go out and say, oh, make it really grandiose and say, I'm gonna save $10,000 a month and I'm gonna be great, right? Because pretty soon within a month, you're gonna say, well, this really sucks, it's not really working for me, and then you stop doing it. So my advice is usually start small. So if, if your goal is to to save money, start saving $10. You can always increase it later. So you want to start with something that's very manageable for you. Another tip is to try to automate it as much as you can, because then you don't even have to think about it, right? So if it means that you're saving money, if you just automate, make a monthly automatic transfer from one account to another savings account or something that you don't use as much, that's a great way to sort of make sure that you stay on track and keep to your financial resolution. You can also, you may think, okay, do I have one financial goal that I'm trying to, I really want to accomplish, like cutting down your spending that Will and Chelsea were talking about. So maybe you say, okay, maybe I'm still going to go to Starbucks, but maybe not as often. I'm going to cut out one Starbucks every week, and I'm going to take that money and throw it into a separate savings account. So really be specific, keep it realistic, and make it very manageable.
0: David, I'm a big proponent on the set it and forget it method. Like... Absolutely. If I don't have to move it and it does it automatically and it doesn't even make it so I can spend it, I'm with you. I I preach that on the top of the highest hill I can find in Florida.
2: It's a total game changer because then you don't forget ever. And the second thing is you don't like hit that month where you say, well, I guess I'm supposed to save money, but I'd rather spend it on in Target. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> For those $6 uh, Valentine's yeah, exactly. Day towels.
1: Christine, I love that you said the highest hill in Florida because it's a very, very <laughs> Low <short> hill. hill. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Somewhere in the middle of Florida, there's got to be like a, I think our garbage mounds are the tallest. I'll climb whatever garbage mound I can find to let people know that David's right. Set it and forget it. I love that. So, David, you mentioned about making goals, and I think the big thing that I want to take away is realistic and achievable. So, let's talk about SMART goals. And we've talked about them before, but I think we need a deep dive and maybe remind our listeners what SMART goals are. So, Chelsea,
3: what makes a SMART goal? So, SMART is actually an acronym. Um, The acronym stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Realistic, and Time-bound. A good example of this is saying, okay. Okay. I'm gonna save money this year. We all wanna do that, right? That's everyone's plan. But that's really vague. There's no time frame around that. There's no dollar amount. It's kind of just saying, okay, I'm like, I'm gonna lose weight this year. You know, no, what does that mean? no actual yeah. plan in place. So a smart version of that goal would be to say, I'm gonna save 10% of my salary this year. And by the end of the year, I will have six thousand dollars saved. That's a really specific goal because you have a target amount, you have a time frame. 10% is realistic for some people, and it's really good. It's achievable. It's also an option that you don't have to break the bank for. You know, 10%, is that's doable for most people. The realistic part is where we come into kind of a hurdle. Everybody's financial situation is different. So some people may not be able to save, you know, 10%. They may not even be able to save five. So start with one, you know, start with what you can, um, don't beat yourself up if you can't hit that goal right away. We're all on a learning process. Be gracious with yourself, but also hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm.
1: I love, Chelsea, that you just mentioned to be gracious with yourself. And I think it's very important to be realistic so that you, because you're going to mess up. But if you are realistic and you're setting those goals that make sense, then you're going to have l- less. You're gonna be less likely to have those moments where you beat yourself up and you make the mistakes. So I think that's a really good point.
3: For sure. I mean, there's people that go to work every day and it's it's hard to say, okay, I'm gonna to go to work every day and I'm not gonna buy anything to treat myself. You know, you don't want to set that up either because everyone deserves to buy themselves something. <laughs> if you're going to work every day, definitely treat yourself. But it's important to not go over face creams, the Starbucks, all of that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so let's dive into some specific resolutions. I want to start with the most common, which is paying down debt. So, David, how can people set a resolution to reduce or eliminate their debt? Right, so a good way to start is, and something I encourage people to do at the
2: beginning of every year at least, is to just sit down and write down all of your assets and all of your liabilities. Column for your assets, a column for your liabilities, so that you have a really good handle on what your investments are, what your assets are, and what kind of debt you have. Along with listing all of your liabilities, you want to sort of figure out the minimum payments that are due on each one of them, and also have a look at the interest rate that you're paying on each one of them, because that's going to help you address what method of repayment you want to have. Interestingly, because it's January, a lot of these repayment methods have like snow-based imagery. So the first one would be if you want to first tackle all of the debt that has the highest interest rate, you would pay the minimum on every debt instrument that you have figure out if you have a little bit extra in your budget that you can put towards paying it down a little bit more and put that extra towards the debt that has the highest interest payment on it. Then once you've paid that off, you can start applying both the minimum payment on that debt as well as the extra little bit onto the next highest interest payment. So that way you're sort of eliminating the highest interest. That's often referred to as the avalanche method. Another method is to is called the snowball method. And in that one, Instead of going for the highest interest rate, you look for the smallest amount of debt that you have, whichever instrument is the lowest amount of debt, and you put the extra money onto that. Once you've eliminated that debt, you take all of that money and you roll it up to the next smallest debt. The benefit of this is it psychologically, it can make you see these debt instruments going away faster so that you have less and less Places That you're having to pay off so that by the time you get to only having maybe one left, all of that money has accumulated in a snowball and is being paid towards that final debt that you owe. The other choice that you can make is to sort of split out, you know, pay the minimum on everything and pay a little bit, take that extra money that you have and split it amongst all of them. And sometimes they call that the snowflake method. So those are three kind of ways. And and a lot of it depends on just what makes you feel the best. Does it make you feel better to get rid of the highest interest rate? Does it make you better to start seeing these debts just be eliminated so that you have it all concentrated? Or do you feel better just paying a little bit on each one every month? The other thing you can do is there's a lot of places that you can get either a low interest loan that will help you pay off all that debt so that you, you just have to repay this one loan at a lower interest. I will plug credit unions on that as I always do in my classes because credit unions often offer very good rates on loans and things like that. You may also find a credit card that you can roll over all your debt onto that's gonna charge you maybe 0% interest for the first year. And then you can pay that off as much as possible before the interest rate starts to kick in. So those are some thoughts that you can can help you sort of manage your debt.
0: Chelsea, you work with credit union members all the time. Have you seen that being really helpful for members?
3: Oh, absolutely. I always tell our members credit cards are one of the quickest ways to build your credit. They're also one of the quickest ways to destroy it because credit cards can tend to get away from you. You don't have a fixed payment every month. You know, you just have a minimum. And what happens is people will just pay the minimum and it's very hard to get yourself out of that hole. So David is exactly right. Credit unions is The best place to go debt consolidation is going to be your best friend rolling that all into one that way you know at x time i will be completely debt free my payment is this every month it gives you a really like we said smart you know a time-bound specific measurable achievable realistic goal for yourself to do that debt consolidation
0: well that is terrific advice and then a topic that i know debt is a big new year's resolution i noticed like For us, our mortgage is the highest thing, the highest payment that we have to make every year or every month. Chelsea, is there a way that I can reduce my mortgage payment or even decrease how long my mortgage is by using a SMART Oh,
3: absolutely. And exactly right. The mortgage is most everyone's biggest bill. So you can do this a couple of ways. And I heard you mention it earlier. So mm. I think you might be onto something. <laughs> but uh, for those of us who are not doing that... Most lenders will allow you to make a principal payment at any time. Keyword is most. So you want to make sure with your lender first that you are able to do that. But you can add a little bit extra to your payment every month and apply that to your principal balance. What does that mean? A principal? Like, what does that mean? So the principal balance is actually what you owe. This is not including the interest that you're being charged for the loan. This is just the base amount that we're talking about here. And as we all know, interest is calculated on your principal balance. So the higher that your principal balance is, the more interest you pay. In order to not pay so much interest over the life of your loan, you make principal payments to therefore bring that amount down. So there's a couple methods you can do. You can take your monthly mortgage payment and just divide it by 12. So for example, let's just say your mortgage is 1800 if you pay $150 every month extra, by the end of the year, you will have made those 13 payments instead of 12.
0: That's me. That, yes. That's what I do. Yes. <laughs> and I said it and forget it. David, to be so proud. I said it and forget it, and I never had to look at it again.
3: Yes. So, but we have other people that get paid maybe biweekly, you know, every other week. So if that is your case, you could do 26 half payments over the year that has the same result. You still make those 13 payments over the year. So if doing 150 or, you know, whatever that amount is, if that's not feasible for you, you can break it down. So just make a payment every time that you get paid and that will give you the same result.
2: By way of anecdote, I just wanted to jump in for one second. For my mortgage, I ended up just rounding up my payment each month, and like the first the first month, I did thirty two cents. Like literally, it was thirty two cents <laughs> extra a month. It was Every it counts. But I paid my mortgage off in sixteen years doing
3: that. Wow, snap! So, oh so yeah, that's by, by
2: just using that extra money when you can. It's amazing how fast that it it. Can get paid off. So anyway, sorry, Chelsea, didn't mean to interrupt
0: you.
3: Oh that no, that's awesome! Hey, snaps for the achievement! Yeah, like that—that that is amazing. But you know, another option that people could do. This one is not as realistic because it's not very predictable. But you can do a lump sum. You know, you may run into a time where you have a little bit more cash on hand. Apply that to your mortgage balance,
0: or maybe when tax season you get
3: exactly. money back through your taxes. Exactly. I don't know. I'm I mean, anything, you know, tax claims, they do another STEMI, you know, anything <laughs> that happens, you can use the, any extra funds that you have to apply to your mortgage, being that that's your biggest loan. That's a lot of people's goal is to pay that thing off quicker. So mm-hmm. he is right on the money. Snaps. Snaps.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, David. Christina is very jealous. Christina never lets us forget.
0: that she uh, makes <laughs> mortgage- <Stop laughs> it. Hey, that 13th mortgage payment is going to I'm going to pay off my house Almost two years earlier than I would have without doing that. So I'm, and, trying. I'm very
1: proud of you for that.
0: Thanks, Will. That's two positive things he said about me today. That's scary. Keep
3: a tally.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about something else that Christina's very passionate about, which is retirement. Yes. <laughs> She's very, very passionate about retirement. So, David, what are some good resolutions for people who want to jumpstart their retirement savings? Right. So the the most important friend you have in saving for retirement is something called
2: compounding, which is basically where the assets that you have, any income that they generate in the form of dividends, interest, capital gains are being reinvested back into that asset. So the asset grows over time, which makes it able to produce even more income, which is then reinvested. So to stick with the sort of snow analogy, I like to say it's like the snowball rolling down the hill. The longer you have an asset working for you, the bigger it can get as a snowball, the more snow it accumulates, the more revenue it can generate. So like the the hill is the amount of time you have it. So the earlier you can start saving for retirement, the better off you are. And also keep in mind that the retirement vehicles are all tax protected. So any income or capital gains that are being generated within them are protected from taxes, which is a great thing, right? So they can grow even faster. I like to talk about two pathways in terms of retirement savings. One is going to be, one path is going to be employer related vehicles and the other path are vehicles that you can do on your own. So first with the employer path, most people will see those in the form of a 401k or a 403b, something like that. Those all come from salary deferral. So you want to try to defer money from your paycheck into those accounts. An interesting thing that people often when I talk to people, they often scares them about doing that is they say, well, I can't afford to have my paycheck go down by the amount of money I'm putting into a 401k or 403b or one of those types of plans because it's a salary deferral and the money's coming out of your paycheck before they calculate taxes on it. Your paycheck is not actually going to go down by the amount of money that you put into and defer into one of these plans. So for example, if you say, well, maybe I'll try to do $10. If you defer $10 away from your paycheck into your 401k, 403b, then they're going to calculate taxes on it. So your paycheck may only go down by $7 or $8. It's not going down by that full amount. So that's a really important thing to keep in mind and that often scares people. The other thing to look out for in these employer-based plans would be if the employer is actually making a match on it. And a lot of times what the employer will agree to do is say, for every dollar you put in, we're going to put in X amount of money. So they may say, for every dollar, we're going to put in a dollar up to a certain percentage of your salary. You always, 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 if possible, want to try to make sure that you defer at least enough to get the maximum amount of the match that your employer is giving you. Because basically that's free extra money that they're giving you. Again, with with these sort of salary deferrals, you want to keep it manageable because if you're very far away from retirement, keep in mind, you're not going to be able to touch these assets until you reach at least usually age 59 and a half. So I like to say money that you put into these retirement vehicles is money that you just kind of think of it as money you spent and that you're not going to use until much, much later on in life. The other path are the ones that we can control ourselves, which are usually in the form of individual retirement accounts, better known as IRAs. There are tax advantages. Those are after-tax contributions. So the money you put in is actually that money. That's the money that you're putting in. It comes from earned income. And there's a couple different kinds of those. You can have both. You can have both a salary deferred 401k 403b and still make contributions to individual retirement accounts. So try to do as much as you can without hurting yourself because again, they benefit from these tax protections and they also you benefit the longer you have it there, the longer a period of time they have to take advantage of compounding, which is going to be your new best friend. Generally the advice is if you're pretty far away from retirement age, which is usually, we're not going to retire at 59 and a half, but that's as soon as you could use the money. You want to maybe skew your investments towards more risky stocks. Generally, the rule of thumb is as you get closer to wanting to use this money, getting up into your older years, you want to sort of shift it into bonds. There are these wonderful, wonderful mutual funds called target date funds, which almost every 401k, 403b, or IRA will allow you to invest in, which do all of that automatically for you. So you pick a date on which I usually tell people, pick a date on which you're going to around the year that you're going to turn 65 or 70, because that's how long most of us are probably going to be wanting to work. And then The target date fund the further away from it that date it is the more heavily invested in stocks it's going to be as it gets closer to that end date it's going to be converting slowly over to be more bond heavy so again it's sort of that set it and forget it idea and those can be a really good core element to any retirement plan if you were not sure what to do or if what's holding you back from investing in a retirement plan is you saying I don't know what to do. That can be a good first step just to get you into the pool.
0: David, that was some of the best advice my dad ever gave me when I got my first, I call it the big girl job after college, where you actually, like you're signing up all those papers. And my dad always said, you always have to meet the match because that is free money. Like you got to meet the match and start right away. And that's another thing. I'm going to scream at the top of the highest hill in Florida you got to put the match and start as soon as possible for retirement. I completely agree.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It it always works to your benefit, always.
0: So speaking of savings, we're going to pivot a little bit. We were just talking about mortgage and how to save money for a mortgage. But let's take a step back. Buying a house, buying your first house, buying any house. Chelsea, what is the best way to save up for that crucial down payment?
3: Oh, yes. (laughs) The down payment. So buying a house right now is like one of the number one stressors for people right now, just because of the climate that we're in right now. Um, So the first recommendation that I would say is to start saving your money in a higher yield account. What that means is put these funds into a money market or an account that will generate a little more interest than just a plain Jane savings. We all know the rates right now are just definitely not where they used to be. Be as far as the savings yields go, so. I wouldn't recommend just putting those funds where you're going to earn, you know, 0.05% interest. You want to get a little bit more out of your money. So let your money sit and make money for you, right? Why not? Another option to do that is actually making a budget. David hit on this earlier, you know, writing down your assets and liabilities, which good place to start, but also taking an account of the miscellaneous spending. That's where I always fail in my budget. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this. I do this all the time, too. Like once a month, I, I'm like, okay. I'm going to make a budget and I'm going to stick to it. And what happens is I just a lot, I call it entertainment. Okay, well, entertainment's a lot of things. I mean, is <laughs> entertainment me eating out or ordering in these random trips to Target? Is this me going into Sephora and buying all the makeup samples? I mean, entertainment is really a broad, you know, thing. So you want to make a budget that actually allots money for those things, but still allows you to save. So definitely, eating out is also a guilty thing, I've, especially on the weekends. I am horrible at that. So I try to limit myself so I can get towards. Towards that move of buying a house. You know, and I you have
0: a daughter. So I, I was like, do. Do you have to entertain her somehow. D- and, and
3: she loves pizza. And, See? and like, she's just like, mom, pizza, Publix. Like, you know, she <laughs> just, she loves Publix. We live pub around sub the corner. mommy, Pub sub. Yes, the little chicken bites, man. Those are her favorites. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, we've really got to nail that down. Maybe we'll do some frozen chicken nuggets, you know, things like that to, to get us on the right track because we are renters. We are in an apartment. We have not purchased a home yet. So this is something, that I will be doing in the near future myself. Something that I want to explain, and this is really for first-time home buyers. So even though like the myth, you know, word on the street, if you want to call it that, is that you have to put down at least 20%. That is not always true. It depends on the loan program that you're applying for plug to Addition Financial, we have programs where you can put as little as 3% down depending on what profession you're in. There's also VA loans where you're not required to put anything down. I mean, there's so many different programs where yes, it may benefit you and your payment wise to put down that much, but if that's not an option for you at the moment, You can do what you do now, put down the minimum. A few years down the road, you can refinance once you've reached that point in your loan. So don't think that, oh my gosh, I have to save up 20 grand to get in this house. That's not always the case. So do your research, look into the programs and find a lender that will work for what you're looking for.
0: So Chelsea, another thing that I think I should put this in my financial resolution is like, you have a child, I have two. So David- I need to save for college because I'm hoping that both of my children, I mean, they may not go to college. They may take different routes, which is perfectly okay, but they may both go to college. So what's the best thing that I can do? And Chelsea, who has a young daughter, like what's the advice that you would give so we can start saving up for our kids' future college?
2: Definitely. And we know that future colleges, if if prices continue to escalate, um, it, it's a frightening prospect. I mean, we also know from hearing in the news that student debt is reaching catastrophic proportions. And so how can you sort of prevent, prevent yourself from being in that position of having crushing student debt? There are a couple accounts that you can open which will, again, allow you to defer money and get some kind of a tax break on it. It will grow tax-free, similar to the retirement accounts, but accounts that are specifically geared towards higher education and educational expenses. The most common type is called a 529 account, and those are usually state-sponsored. You want to check with the state that you live in to see what the regulations are surrounding it, but usually you'll get a break on taxes from the state up to a certain amount that you can contribute to it. They'll usually give you the opportunity to invest in a variety of different kinds of assets. Some make it really easy and they'll say, do you want to be in a conservative mix? Do you want to be in a more aggressive mix? So that you're getting exposure to the stock and bond markets for a little bit more bang for your buck than you're going to get from the interest on simple cash payments. Some other thoughts are there's there are things called Coverdell accounts that you can look into as well. And also some colleges will allow you to prepay tuition ahead of time so that you can sort of lock in today's rates, but that would necessitate that your child knows where they want to go. So those are definitely some places to go. I would also very much recommend looping your child into it when they're ready to I think we can all agree that financial literacy is is just not really taught anywhere in this country to the extent that it should be. And the sooner you can start teaching children about financial literacy, the better. So maybe when you open one of these accounts, when your child becomes old enough to be sort of more cognizant of spending and spending habits and things like that, you can say, look, here's what we're doing. We're putting money aside to pay for your future education. And here's how we're investing it. And here's what we're doing with it. Maybe you could start on your own, a sort of savings account or some kind of investment account that you could put a little bit of the money that you get from either your part-time jobs or your babysitting or whatever you're doing to go towards some of your spending money that you're going to want to have later on for university. It really makes a huge difference. One of the things I do for, I have five nephews and a niece, and when they turn 16, I open up a stock account for them and start putting a little bit of money. And my mom and my other sisters help put money into it as well. And then I send them the statements every month. When they turn 21, I actually then turn the portfolio over to them. And actually, I, they, they technically could take control of it at 18, but don't tell them because we make them wait until <laughs> one because I figure they, they need a little bit more time to sort of mature into it. But it, it gives them exposure to how the markets work and to the benefits of investing and doing something on a regular basis and, and how saving now for something that you're going to use in future can be incredibly beneficial. So the sooner you can sort of loop your children into it and Saving for spending money for college is a great way to start.
0: I love that because my kids do not need one more thing in the house. Like they don't need anything else. But that's such a practical gift that one teaches them about financial independence and literacy and and how they can manage that in the future. And it will help them eventually in the future. I love that idea, David.
2: Great. Great. Yeah. And it really, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they all have like stuck with it and continue to, you know, when they get their jobs to put a little bit more money into their stock accounts and to keep it going. I can't say enough about it. Yeah.
1: So Christina, I know that you've talked on the podcast before about ways that you teach your children about money and how to manage money. And so I'm kind of interested, Chelsea, how do you broach that conversation with your child?
3: So let's start with my kid is two. So <laughs> <laughs> she's two. So, I mean, our conversations well, you about, go. <laughs> about money are, um, they're slim, but my mom has a habit of like giving her dollar bills every time that she comes to visit us. And my daughter will keep them and put them in her little fake purse. And she keeps coins. Like anywhere we go, if she finds a coin, she's like money and keeps it. No, so, there go. <laughs> so that's no, as far there you go. as um, Yeah, that's as far as financial conversations we've got. And I will say, college seems like light years away for us, but it's never really too early to at least get it started, you know, get the conversation out there. As mentioned in the Taboo podcast about like how it's not really common to like talk about money with your family. I mean, it's just not something. My parents didn't do that. My parents are horrible money managers. (laughs) They put them on blast. Yeah, like put straight on blast. Um, They had no money for me to go to college college. I was relying on Pell Grants. So yeah, this is definitely something that you want in the House to be spoken about. Time and time again, I get these young members, you know, as the credit union that has partnered with colleges. I'm getting a lot of college students first time out on their own. They found, you know, those people that give them a credit card there at campus. And it's so easy to get. You just sign the paper right Mm -hmm. there. And before you know it, you have racked up like five grand on top of the student debt that you already had. So, yeah, I definitely want to start talking about this at a young age. Usually, parents start doing allowance for kids. That's usually how it starts out. You know, wash the dishes. Here's 10 bucks, whatever. 10 bucks. Girl, inflation, inflation,
0: girl. My kids. (laughs) get 50 cents for unloading the dishwasher okay okay a dollar for garbage i'm trying to think they have we have an app that gives them like chores to do and then when they do i think it's a dollar for garbage yeah a dollar for doing the laundry 50 cents for unloading the dishwasher i'll give them 50 cents if they make their bed
3: girl Ten wait they're gonna, they're gonna get like one thing at the dollar bin at target and I'm okay with that I'm okay <laughs> you're like suspend your allowance money we're going to dollar tree so get in the car love, I love the dollar tree I do too. although it's now a dollar 25
0: tree of. right? I know, right.
3: I know. The, the economy man I know <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, definitely encourage your kids, you know, take that allowance and put it up. You know, like you mentioned, you had an app. Two apps that I wanted to mention, there is iLance and Bankaroo that the kids can use and kind of keep track with what they're getting for doing their chores. And that way they can actually monitor it. I know growing up, it was much easier to spend my parents' money than mine. <laughs> um, that $20 didn't look like much when they swipe their card. But now when I swipe mine, it feels like a lot. That's, that's gas money. Yeah. So <laughs> I definitely... Recommend, yes, start it now, start it as soon as you can, and don't make it a taboo. You know, a lot of parents do it where like they stress about money and they don't want their kids to be involved. That was my parents, you know, like this is grown people's business when it comes to talking about bills and just, you know, salaries and what you get paid and how to pay things. Like, nobody ever taught me that. No one ever spoke with me about that. Like, saving for girl, I didn't know what a 401k was until I got into <laughs> like the financial realm. Like, no one had ever explained that to me. So, Make sure that you're setting your kids up for financial success. You know, the last thing that you want to do is see your kids being taboo with money, not wanting to talk about it, not willing to invest or, you know, spend on their selves, you know, just strictly paying bills. No one wants to use all their money for that. So definitely talk about it, make it as open as you can, you know, and don't make your child feel uncomfortable to ask you about your finances. They live in your house too. They they know, you know, <laughs> so be open with them, share and enlighten them. Definitely if you're looking to, for the kiddos, here we have the kids accounts, get them a kids account set up, get them their fun bucks, you know, like let their little allowance start making them money and then they can come withdraw their fun bucks and spend it you know making a game yeah
0: we recently had to share with our kids that wi-fi costs money like yes. they think that like internet is free and it's like no internet is not free would you like to see my bill Dude, <laughs> tv is I'm not free you. disney plus is not free so because it's things they don't see us paying it it just automatically happens so they just think these things magically happen and we get to use them. Like so, Disney yeah. Plus
3: comes with the TV. Right. Like you paid for the TV, so it's right. just, it
0: built in. Right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so having, I agree, having those conversations, letting them know, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, like when you use your cre- credit card or debit card, like talking them through, like it's, the money is in the, pla- like, there's, yes. like, I don't use cash. Me like, either. I don't know. Will and David, do you guys use cash? Like I don't use cash.
1: You think I use cash? <laughs> I, still feel a little bit. <laughs>
3: I don't know like anybody that really uses cash anymore except my mom. I mean, I <laughs> She's do keep like, a little she...
1: bit on me just in case because there are, you know, there are situations where you need cash for something, but not much, no. I agree. I mean, we're definitely moving away from using cash,
2: but the advantage to using cash sometimes is you're much more cognizant of how much something costs when yes. you use cash, right? Because yes. if you spend 50 bucks, if you take 50 bucks out of your wallet or your purse, and spend it on something, it has a much different import than putting $50 on your credit
0: card. Yes, that is true. Except do you guys know what Will likes to do? He likes to go out with his friends and then take the bill for – like put it all – like put all the drinks on his credit card and have his friends Venmo him so he can get the credit card points. Ah,
3: smart. Isn't it?
1: Clever. There as he long is. as they pay you, it works really well. He's
3: <laughs> like, I need I actually need those
1: did points. recently have a friend who did it to me. We, oh. we went on a little group trip and we had an Airbnb. He took care of planning everything. And then was sending out Venmo requests to everybody for our portion. And somebody was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, like $100 a person or something like that. And I got a Venmo request that was one oh one and 26 cents. Like it was (laughs) to the penny what I owed him. And then I got a follow-up because apparently they had like billed something extra to us. And I got $20.33 as another request. I was like, oh... This this one is a professional at this. I love it.
3: <laughs> he was gonna send you an itemized receipt.
1: Or is it like some faxed over invoice and like
3: <laughs> and the car
0: or carbon copy paper. So everybody <laughs> everybody has a receipt.
1: <laughs> I love it. So one of the resolutions that we've been hearing a lot is to cut spending. That's Typically, the most common besides saving more is to cut spending. So, David, what are some ways that people can create specific goals around spending less?
2: Sure. So, Chelsea earlier touched on having a budget and sort of figuring that out. I like to, another exercise I like to have people do at the beginning of the year is calculate out their monthly expenses, which I refer to as your monthly nut. So, figure out how much your monthly nut is. There's a couple of ways that you can do that. One is just to sit down and write down all the expenses that you typically incur in every in any month and add that all up another way is to spend a month or two actually writing down every single purchase that you make what this does is it makes you much more aware of where you're spending money right so if you're if you're writing down your purchases the mocha cappuccino from Carmelita, whatever that you buy from Starbucks is going to start popping up a lot. <laughs> and you're going to say, oh, wow, maybe I could cut one of those out. Or the target purchases are going to really pop out at you. So being cognizant of where you're spending your money and of how much you need to spend each month can really be a good first step. So if you're making more money, which we hope we are, than we're spending in our monthly nut, then you can say, hey, wait a minute, I have got an extra like two or $300 extra over my monthly nut that I'm earning From my paycheck so maybe i can put that funnel that towards debt repayment funnel that towards investing to so building assets funnel it towards an individual retirement account something like that i tend to like to keep track of my spending um, through excel spreadsheets because i'm a little old-fashioned in that some people hate excel spreadsheets old school i know the newest way of course are apps there's apps for everything a very popular sort of spending app is mint which is used by a lot of people. So basically you want to find the thing that's going to work best for you. I've actually, you think I'm old school. I've had people come up to me and say, I just keep a notebook and write everything in a notebook. And I was like, okay, I'm like at least one step digitally beyond that. (laughs) So you want to find what works best for you. And again, just like we were just saying with, with spending money, when you spend $50 in cash as opposed to spending $50 on a credit card, being cognizant of where your money is going and how you're spending it will help you to take better control of your spending habits.
1: I think that it's also really good to add in here regarding like budgeting apps and budgeting tools. I used Mint a long time ago at one point, and I I personally didn't really get very far into it, but recently I got into one called Simplify. And it's been, to me, more helpful running a household budget. So between me and my husband, figuring out, The entire picture, because it's really difficult to understand exactly where everything lies, especially as we've gone into the journey of combining our finances and our money is not really something we can separate from each other anymore. So... That's just something I want to plug is like, I can go into this app and I can see everything very quickly. And I don't have to be asking him, okay, well, how much is in your retirement account? And how much is on this credit card? And how much is over here? It's very quick for me now to see, okay, here's exactly what we've got everywhere in terms of assets and liabilities. And here's the projected cash flow kind of thing. So I personally really like it. It does that, this particular app does cost like, I think, 40 or 50 bucks for a year. But the advantage is you don't get ads or anything like that. So I just, I'll plug that one. We're not, we're not getting any sponsorship money, but I'll plug it. And you said it was Simplify? Well, yeah, it's called Simplify with an I at the end. Um, it's by Quicken, actually.
0: Well, this is our last question before our quick fire round. And this one's going to Chelsea. If there's anything the past two years have taught us, it's the importance of having that emergency savings fund. This past two years has been a roller coaster for so many people. Chelsea, if people don't have an emergency fund. How do you create one? And why should they create
3: one? Oh, man. Yes, yes, yes. My emergency fund has saved my behind more time than one. <laughs> so uh definitely recommend having that rainy day fund. You know, I like that we'll hit on marriage and combined finances because that's something that you don't think about. You know, I may not have an emergency come up where I need to dip into it, but my husband might. You know, anything can happen for the both of us, and that's something you also want to take into consideration, something Can happen to our daughter, you know, anything can happen. So you're not just doing an emergency fund for yourself, like, oh, let me have a couple hundred in case I get a flat tire. You wanna make sure that you can save your behind if something really goes wrong. Like we talked about the last two years, COVID, it's here, it's real, it's still here, it's still, you know, affecting a lot of people. And not all of us are blessed to have a job where we have the sick time and we have the ability to still get paid while we're not working if that if you don't have that benefit you have to have funds to keep your ball rolling you don't want to get you know behind while you're also sick on top of that then that's just a huge stressor so a savings fund i mean you at least want to have and i know this is a stretch for some people i mean At least three to six months of a nest egg to where I can use this money and pay my bills if something happens. You don't want just enough money to like repair the water heater. If it breaks, you know, you you need a little bit more to make that car payment, to make those credit card payments. If your kids are in daycare, you know, these are all things that don't stop. And you don't want to start racking up that credit card because you don't have any other money or going to apply for loans and things like that. So if you don't already have a fund, you absolutely need. To start one, I suggest just putting whatever you can afford into a completely separate account. Mine is at a whole different institution from where I do all my bills through because I will transfer the money. I like I have no control when it comes to that. So I put it to a whole different bank that I really don't even have a card to. I would have to physically go in the location to get the money. So I said it like that because I know myself. And for the people who already have an emergency fund, keep adding to that. Keep Patting it down. Don't get complacent with the amount that's in there because we never know. You know, always having that little nest egg can make you breathe a little bit better. You go to sleep a little bit easier at night. And I mean, who knows? You may not have to break into it for an emergency, but what if there's something that you need to buy? Anniversary rolling around, you know, something that you want to actually slurge on that's realistic. You can dip into that fund as well for those reasons.
0: You both gave us such great and useful information, and I'm sure our listeners will find it very valuable to set their own New Year's resolutions, financial New Year's resolutions. So now it's the time for our rapid-fire round that we call the Making Account Essentials. So Will, go ahead and get us started. Sure.
1: So my questions in this round are for David. So David, we have mentioned budgeting a couple of times. What are some quick methods for people to find money in their budget to put towards savings goals?
2: So when you look, we were talking about calculating your monthly Not you can easily spot those sort of impulse spending purchases that you're making. Try to cut one of those out. The other thing is to look at your bank statements and your credit card statements. We we get these statements every month and we tend to ignore them, but you want to double check and make sure you're not paying any fees. If you are paying fees, banks have this habit of slipping in these fees. Get rid of them because any money that's going to them for fees is money that's coming out of your pocket. Another thing is to look at your utility bills. I'm one of those dinosaurs that has a both a landline and a mobile phone. I know David Nobody left like that. It's a (laughs) two one two number. I'm not giving it up. (laughs) I'm not giving up my two one two number. But anyway, I found out a few years ago, if I bundled the landline into my cable and internet, I saved seventy dollars a month by doing that. That's hundreds of dollars a year that I was saving. So that's another thing coming out of the pandemic, which we hope we're coming out of the pandemic. We've also become very reliant on streaming services. And it's very tempting when they say, oh, it's only $1.99 a month. And pretty soon you realize you have 10 streaming services at $1.99 to $3.99 a month. So just have a look at, be very cognizant of where you're spending your money and that will help you locate places to sort of cut it back.
0: Chelsea, what can people do to get back on track if they had a little bit of trouble along the way?
3: Well, we know it happens to all of us. Nobody's perfect. And sometimes we tend to fall off track. If that happens, take a step back, reevaluate your budget and see where you can cut. Like David mentioned, cut subscriptions, cut, you know, anything that you're not actively using. Look into refinancing. Can you refinance your car loan for a lower payment? Can you refinance your mortgage for a lower payment? Can you consolidate some debt with a debt consolidation loan. You know, there's other things that you can do to reconfigure that budget to get it to work. But most importantly, cutting those unnecessary expenses. Like, do you really need Disney plus Netflix and Hulu? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. And yes. (laughs) I I have all three. So I'm like, yeah, I do.
1: (laughs) All right, David, this one's for fun. Do you remember the first financial New Year's resolution you made? What was it? And did you stick to it? I do. I'm not sure if it was the first one I made, but it was
2: one that I certainly made early on. So not long after I finished college, I decided, and again, because I was dancing and I had this really sporadic income, I was determined to sort of help get assets that would, would enable me to give, get a little bit more stability in my life. So I made the commitment and the resolution to buy a mutual fund for the first time. And this was back at the time before you could do transactions online. Uh, so I actually had to write a check and it was also at the time when mutual funds required a very large amount of money, like, like, well, it was large for me at the time, a thousand dollars to open up a mutual fund account. And so with shaking hand, I wrote this check and sort of sent this envelope <laughs> off in the mail, thinking, okay, it's going into the great abyss. And, you know, what did I just do with this money that I struggled to collect and save over such a long period of time? But over time it got it got me into the pool to start understanding how assets can really work for you. And by looking at the statements and seeing how it was how well it was doing, it encouraged me to every year, as I said, sort of at the beginning of the, the program, to reevaluate my financial wellness plan and decide what the next part I need to do is. So yes, I've been very consistent every New Year's in saying, okay, what's the next best thing I can do now since I started that one mutual fund many, many years
0: ago? Chelsea, we've been talking a lot about resolutions that we're encouraging people to do, but what is a resolution that people should not set?
3: (laughs) So any resolution I would suggest not setting is something where the outcome is not controllable by you. And what that means is you can say, okay, I'm going to save 5% of my income this year. You can do that because this is your money. It's guaranteed that it's coming in and you can do that something that's not controllable is to say i'm going to have my investments grow by 5% this year the stock market is subject to change at any time you know we're not in control of that so anything can happen you know it, it could drop out tomorrow so you don't want to set something where you can't control the outcome
1: david is there a financial resolution we haven't mentioned yet that you think our listeners should consider i would say one other
2: sort of big taboo topic in addition to talking about money and everything else, is sort of discussing what's going to happen after we die, right? And nobody really wants to talk about that. But as you start to accrue assets, your 401k, your 403b, your IRAs, other assets, it is important to make sure that you take into consideration what will happen to them after you pass or if you pass unexpectedly. It's also important to talk to your parents or anybody else that you're responsible for to make sure you understand what they want to have done. Mm -hmm. My father was incredibly practical, and every holiday when we would all get together, he would say, okay, we're going to have a family meeting and we're all going to talk about what we want to do, what we want to have happen when we die. Wow. And my sisters and I were all like, really, dad, <laughs> you know, Merry Christmas. And Wait, I was
3: about fun. to say, Merry Christmas. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about dying. <laughs> um,
2: but I will say, you know, we did it in a very sort of lighthearted way to say, you know, this is what we want and this is where, what we're, where we're at and this is, you know, how we want to do it. And when my dad did pass many years ago, I will say there was no question as to what we needed to do and what he wanted done and where everything was and how to take care of it. So it made his passing so much easier in that we didn't have to figure a lot of things out. So that's a really important thing to do to make sure you have, as well as powers of attorney in case you become incapacitated and health proxies in case you need someone to make health decisions. So it's not the easiest topic to, to broach at first, but once you've started to talk about it, it will make a huge difference in the long run and become a little bit easier to discuss.
0: We actually have a great episode on that topic in season two, all about estate planning and the importance of estate planning. That is a really like you said, it's a tough subject to talk about, but your dad having those conversations was almost like the best gift he could have given you and your family because exactly. that is such a stressful time. I, that's exactly. so cool how practical he was. Chelsea, you get the last question. So excited. All right. So this is a fun one. David got a fun one. You get a fun one. What was your best
3: financial New Year's resolution you have ever made and why? Oh, here we go. So my best resolution that I have ever made, and I actually made it this year. So we were talking earlier about cash. I am very guilty of the one that just swipe, swipe, swipe. I don't even look. I don't want to know. I don't check it until (laughs) like the end of the weekend because I don't want to see that. (laughs) I don't want to see that negativity. So I just, I am the very, you know, swipe, 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 just use it. It's there, whatever. The card's not declining. It's good. And then I just move on. So I made a plan this year that for my spending, you know, my extras, my eating outs, my Uber Eats, uh, all that kind of stuff, I want to allot that for like a cash budget. More so, so if I go to the store, I spend it; it's gone. You know, just like David is saying, because if we live in a virtual, you know, society now. Uh, everything is done electronically. You know, people don't pay their bills in cash anymore. I mean, I say I'm old school. I'm not like spreadsheet style old school <laughs> or like landline old school. But now, 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 I, now. I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't do the set it and forget it method. I do like to pay my own bills at my own time, so I am a little bit more. Frugal when it comes to that, I'm very that f mindful. word. Yes, the f word, as previously <laughs> mentioned. But I do like to keep track of it like that. And I think for other, you know, young adults like myself, it's so easy. Apple Pay is like kind of the devil. It, mm-hmm. It's so easy. I just tap my phone, and here's my yeah. money or my like, watch. Yes, yeah. and then before you know it, I just I didn't even need to bring my wallet in the store, and I still spent the money. Like yeah. so, things like that are something that we uh, we have the to pay attention app. to. The Target I app. I know. And and then it, Wheel. They do it. How are they going to make a two-hour pickup when no other place does that? So then you're left to choose Target. <laughs> There's no other place that has a two-hour pickup. And if you need it immediately, you're like, okay, Target it is. <laughs> so uh, things like that are something I definitely, I, I have set goals for myself. I am going to try to stay strict to them. One method I had previously heard about, it was from, Ken, he's like a famous guy. I can't think of his name right now, but he does the envelopes. Mm. where you put the money in the envelope, like this envelope is for this, this envelope is for this. I didn't go that far, but I made me two envelopes. <laughs> so there one is go. for like miscellaneous spending. And then one, I was going to do like a treat yourself. So like maybe once a quarter, I will buy myself something. So, nice. so those are my resolutions.
1: <laughs> well, thank you both so much. You've both given us a lot of valuable information. And now is the time when we want to give you both the opportunity to promote yourselves and tell our listeners where they can find you online. David, why don't you go first?
2: Sure. And again, thank you very much for having me. This is a great thing that you're doing for your listeners. The best way to reach me is through my website, which is davidmaricesharp.com. There's an email address there, and there's a form you can fill out if you have any questions. I'm more than happy to answer questions if people have them. It also updates you with information about upcoming workshops that I'm teaching at various organizations. I also have a book out called The Thriving Artist, which is a kind of primer for saving and investing geared towards artists and other freelancers to sort of help them find ways to use their, their financial well-being to support their careers.
0: That's awesome. David, thank you so much. And thanks for being here. Maybe we get to have you again on the show. We would love that.
2: I would love that too. Yes, anytime.
0: Chelsea, you're next. So how can our listeners find out more about you?
3: So anyone, feel free to come visit me here in uh, Addition Financial. I am in the Lake Mary location. You can also reach out to me via email at cconnor at additionfi.com. Any forms that are filled out on our website, as far as lending goes, those forms come to me as well. So if you wanted to take a look at any of those, I'm more than happy to help. And you can always call Addition's Must Answer line and they will get you to me.
0: Perfect. And I'm sure that executive producer Lauren will have all those details on the show notes. Thank you again both so much for coming in and we hope to have you guys back.
1: Yes. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you guys. Thank you (laughs) both. Well, it's our favorite segment we call,
1: What What Did did We Learn learn today? Today? So for me, the biggest takeaway from today's episode, I think is just starting small and like David said, finding those small things that you can cut out of your spending to make a difference. And, and I really loved his analogy of like, just start really small, don't make it a huge thing. I think he said something about in his mortgage payment, he started overpaying his mortgage just by you know 32 cents or something. I love the idea of just starting really, really small and easing into a new habit that can make a really big difference in the long run.
0: Yeah, definitely. From for me, this episode and both Chelsea and David mentioned it. It's writing down your assets and your expenses. And I think when you really see how many times you go to you buy an Amazon, like I'm Amazon guilty every time you go to Target. Like once you see it, you you don't know what you're doing until you you know you don't know what you don't know. And when you put it down, even on writing it on paper, I think it's very. In like it leaves a big impression, so I really like that idea, and I think I might. I'm scared, but maybe I'll try it. I don't know. I'm kind of scared, <laughs> but maybe some ignorance is bliss sometimes. But in this case, it's not.
1: <laughs> it's no, no, not a good with your thing. Finances. <laughs> All right. Well, at the end of every episode, we like to leave our listeners with a resource that they can use to make account in their daily lives. So, Christina, what is our resource today?
0: This one actually does not have a ridiculous title, which I'm very disappointed about.
1: I, I only like the ones that have ridiculous titles.
0: Agreed. So this one we've shared before, but it's a it's one that we're just going to keep plugging because it's so great. And Chelsea mentioned it. It's starting SMART goals and and setting the, the SMART financial goals, which Edition Financial has a worksheet that will help you actually achieve them and you can write them down and all of that.
1: I think the name for this one should be the Addition Financial Smart Financial Goals Worksheet you can use to help set and achieve goals.
0: Yes, I love that. Lauren, take note, that that's perfect.
1: Yes, no, I agree that everyone should download that and producer Lauren has put a link in the show notes as always.
0: Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on Making It Count.
1: And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count.
0: If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals
1: or just found us entertaining,
0: Please subscribe, share or rate and review us on your favorite podcast app.
1: And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It It Count.